All right, let's dive into our teaching series today. The first thing I'm going to do is I am going to spend just a couple minutes. I got to get away from this Liv and Maddie Google thing. <laughs> I'm going to spend a couple minutes um, rehashing where we've been. So for those of you who this is your first week in our series, I'm going to give you a crash, crash course, okay? But here's the good news. We have started recording our messages, and so they're out there online in audio or video form. So you're going to come in on the conclusion, but if you're like, hmm, he said something that I don't know if I agree with, go back, listen, um, watch, however you want to. Um, so real quick, just the kind of like overview, high, high like view of this, um, we're going to look at some stuff. So the first thing by way of review, week one of this series, you remember we talked about a thing called the Doppler effect, okay? Doppler effect, this was discovered by Hubble, the guy who invented the telescope. And if you remember, the universe is expanding like a balloon. So here I go, I'm going to blow this balloon up. <gasps> oh, that was bad. I went for the dramatic, like, lip over the balloon, and I missed. It's, it came out. All right, so the universe is expanding, right? Like, every day, the further away you look, galaxies, they move further and faster away, which also means, as you rewind time, that the galaxies, they also shrink. Did you get any spit on you? Yeah, Okay. The universe also shrinks and contracts back. Like, the universe doesn't shrink. But if you rewound time, that's the logical answer, is that there had to be a finite beginning. So people who believe that the universe has always been and always existed, their argument or their contention would be the universe always was, and these cells and these, like, molecules, they banged into each other, and that's how we got the world. But instead, we had the Doppler effect. Another thing we looked at a couple weeks ago is, you remember the... Um, What's this one called? Alec, what's the lock one called? Hit that slide for me. Uh, crap, just one in 700 quintillion. There was some hypothesis for it. But basically, we live on a privileged planet, okay? And so we live on a privileged planet, which means the odds that our planet can support human life is one in 700 quintillion. So to, to um, illustrate that, we use this lock, remember? And the lock combination was a one in 64,000 chance. And you remember, I passed it around, you guys tried it, you guys tried it, and then Alec tried it, and he opened it, right? And one of you was like, no way, dude, there's no way you knew that. Nick, you had to have told him ahead of time. And the natural assumption that, yes, I did tell him ahead of time, is also what I believe leads to this, we are uniquely created, we're in a privileged and unique planet. God had to have set the dials and put these, these chances, or not just chance, not just random that we got here, but put them in motion, and there's an actual caring being who uh, set the wheels of our universe in motion. The last thing we looked at last week was the sequencing hypothesis, which is, in your DNA, there's literal code, very similar to like computer code. And so for your body to function the way it's supposed to function, okay, um, you would need the code to come into a very specific order and it would have to create um, order and not just like be random, all right? So you remember last week we brought six people up here and we tried to spell a word like two or three times and we got not very close actually at all, right? And so the reality is, is that um, in order for that to happen, not only to create one word, God had to create like the equivalent of sentences, paragraphs, and ultimately books, all right, for our DNA to operate and communicate and work the way it needs to work. So what that does is that leads us all to the conclusion that there is a creator. So here's what, um, actually up here, here's what we talked about 
um, we said the big question at hand is, how did all this get here and how did we all get here? And if you remember, there were these four um, there were these four hypotheses. Alec, we're going to do the pop quiz, so they're off the screen now, okay? You had a quick memory of it, but the first one, anyone got it? What's the first answer? Materialism. So materialism is somebody who is like, uh, they say the universe has always existed, so that was Einstein until he saw, I now see the need for a creator. That was his conclusion, his hypothesis after spending time with Hubble, right? P, does anyone remember what the P? Yeah, pantheism. You got it. So pantheism is kind of like the force, right? Like God is here. God's in that corner. God is in the bush out there, right? Like it's kind of like God is kind of everywhere. And so those two arguments are matter first, God second. So there is no God, but, but matter created life and life, us, we then decided, hey, I think there should be a God. And so we mentally decided to make a God in our minds. That's, that's their argument, right? Obviously we don't believe that, but that's their argument. God first, matter second. There are two kind of propositions for that. Does anyone know what the T one stands for? Michael, you got it? Theism, good, which is a God, a loving, caring God. And D, Brendan? Deism, okay? So deism and theism, kind of our argument would be these two, right? Like there's a caring God who had to be involved because the odds are just too stacked against it for there to be one. A deistic creator is one who created life and stepped away. A theistic creator is one who created life and remains involved in our lives and wants to remain involved in our lives, okay? So the last two weeks basically landed us at that conclusion. There has to be a theistic creator, okay? Um, and so if you look at our little chart now, we've, we've sort of ruled them out with some logic and some reasoning, okay? And again, if this is your first week, I would really encourage you to go back and listen and, and evaluate for yourself, like, can I believe these arguments that, that I'm saying up here, okay? Um, which leads us and lands us to this um, kind of conclusion. There are, these are five major theistic religions. There are more, okay? Um, but these are just probably five that are probably most prominent, prevalent in America um, of theistic. So, so a universe that was created by a caring, loving being. So there's obviously Christianity, which is what most of us in here would ascribe to. There's Islam, so our Muslim friends. There's Judaism, so Orthodox Judaism, just real quick. They ascribe to the Old Testament of our Bible. And our Bible is, um, you know, so Christians, you may have heard the term before, Judeo-Christian. That's because we come out of the Jewish um, faith. And, and now with Jesus, it's kind of made that shift and turn into Christianity. But so Judaism, they still are waiting for the Messiah. We as Christ followers would say, no, the Messiah is Jesus. They don't think that Jesus is the Messiah, so they're still looking, okay? Um, we have Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, and those are kind of offshoots, or if you will, like cultic um, almost religions based off of some of the claims of Christianity. So Mormonism is real big out in Utah. Jehovah's Witness or the Latter-day Saints, like you might see those people, they walk around, they knock on your door, they're wearing like suits and stuff. That's who those guys are, okay? These are some of the different theistic religions. And so that's kind of what we're going to look at today is how can we make a claim for and um, what, what does this mean for us as we look at these religions? How can we land on the claim that Christianity is true? All right, so the big question, uh, the reason we kind of tackled these main ones and now we're, we're diving deeper into these is um, you have to ask the question with materialism and pantheism is does God exist? Yes or no? All right, and so materialism and pantheism would say no. Theism and deism would say yes, all right? And so we all kind of landed that yes, there is a God that created. The next question is, is God involved? Yes or no? Theism says yes, deism says no. 
And now we're left standing after two weeks with theism, kind of with all the evidence stacked in theism's favor. So we're going to now move on. So that's all review, okay? That's all where we've been. We're going to move on. But before we do that, we're going to play a little game called Hot Seat, all right? This is a new game I invented. We're gonna, we put your leader's names in the the little spinny thing, okay? And we're gonna call leaders up, all right? One week at a time. By the way, I didn't tell you guys you were doing this. So we're gonna play a game called Hot Seat Leaders, all right? And um, Jeremy, can you grab the handheld mic from Alec back there and run it up to me? Um, Your leaders are gonna come up and we're gonna ask them a question. They have a minute to ask, uh, answer, I'm sorry, answer a series of questions, all right? And uh, so it's just one leader today, and then we're going to move on um, to a different leader every week. But so just as a little bit of a break, we're going to dive into to this. All right, so I'm going to put a one-minute timer up here on the screen, but first we have to get ourselves a leader. So go ahead. Oh, it's up here. Never mind. Give me my leader, Alec. I sent you guys on a wild goose chase. Who is our leader going to be? Jeff! Jeff, have a seat in the hot seat, my friend. Alex going to spin the wheel of hot seat questions, and I'm going to set a timer up here on the screen behind you, and I'm going to hand you these, okay? All right. When I say go, Alec, you spin that wheel, and we're going to start simultaneously. Ready? On your mark, get set, go. JHM or HSM? HSM. Okay. Easy one, right? Favorite Bible verse? John 3.16. Okay. Favorite fast food restaurant? Chipotle. Coke. (laughs) Coffee. (laughs) ESV. Okay. Beast. (laughs) All right, Jeff, I'm going to take the microphone from you and let you try to Fortnite dance. Um, This is it. This is it? That's all? Someone want to show them how to floss real quick? Okay, all right, keep going. We got 15 seconds. Favorite Disney movie? Uh, anything Pixar. Still doing coffee. Still doing coffee. Still doing Pixar. Still doing Pixar. Still got John 316. Or 17, either one works too. And Chipotle. All right. And still the, still the Beast. This is good. I got this. We're running all the same ones. What are you trying to hit, Alec? A new one? Oh, here we go. Favorite Avenger? Hulk. The Hulk? All right. Good job. Give Jeff a hand. So we... uh, Thanks, Jeff, for being a good sport, even though I didn't tell you that you could expect that to happen. All right. So we are now going to dive into... And I have a quote for you. So go ahead and throw that quote up there for me, Alec. Um, does anyone know how to say this guy's name? Okay, well, Steve knew how to say it in JHM, and I felt like an idiot because I was like, Fyodor, he's like, no, it's whatever, and he said it like all in an Italian accent. So, Siri, pronounce Fyodor Dovisowski. Here's what he said, ready? He said, if God is dead, then all things are permissible. If God is dead, then we can do whatever we want. There's no moral law. So here's what I want you guys to do, okay? Uh, leaders, can, can there be a leader at every table for this question? Um, we're going to do a quick table talk, right? What would be the implications if God was dead? 
what would be the implications if God was dead? So jump in, take a stab at this question. What do you guys think? If God was dead, if God did not exist, if God was not there, what would be the implications? This guy says all things would be permissible. What do you think? Go ahead, take a minute out loud with words, go. All right. Any thoughts? Anyone have a good insight? Ellie, what's your good insight? We would be pointless. We'd be all alone. Okay. So what are we doing on this planet? Just, yeah, we're just here. Okay. Yeah. Over here, what do you guys think? Zayden, first. Yeah. Yeah, and that's honestly that's kind of what the philosophy behind this lands on. Like, so the whole um, the I titled this lesson: Can the phrase "That's true for you" be an option? Can you say to your friend, "That's true for you, but that's not true for me"? Because to Zayden's point, if there is no moral code. If there is no God, if there is no person we're ultimately answering to, then where do we draw our baseline? Like what is truth? And how do we know whether or not something is? Because by nature, truth is exclusive. Like if I told you um, this Gatorade I'm drinking is cold and you drink, you're like, no, it's hot. And I'm like, no, dude, literally like feel it. It's cold. Nope, that's just, that's what you think, but it's not actually true. You know what I mean? And that's not even that good of an example. A better example would be like, hey, what's two plus two? The answer is always four. It can't sometimes be five. And so when it comes to this stuff, there is a truth. There is a conclusion. But what happens is, and so 
the reason I'm putting this up here is if you head to our website, lhcstuman.com, and click on media, this is where you can access our digital boot camp. And so I wanted to point out, you could go uh, to our very first session of it, and you can watch it right here. And the reason that I say that is, you can go to the next slide there, Alec. The reason I say that is because that first lesson tackles, can we trust the Bible? So I'm not even going to get into that. I want to challenge you, go check it out. I think I linked it in your version as well. But it's how can we know and how can we trust the Bible to be true, okay? Because we're going to bring that, I'm going to bring that presupposition to the table for the rest of our discussion today. But for some of you, you're like, okay, maybe I believe there's a God, but I don't know if I can trust the reliability historically of the Bible. And that's why I wanted to point you how to get to that. You can kind of tackle that on your own time, all right? And so here's where we are, and here's this guy, uh, Yoroslav Pelikan, all right? We're just going to go with that. That's what we're going to say. Here's what he said. He's a Yale professor, and I want to point out he's not a Christian, okay? So here's what his conclusion was. He says, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of the Western culture for almost 20 centuries, Check this out. He said, if it were possible with some sort of super magnet to go over history and pull up out of history every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name, Jesus, how much would be left? It is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars, right? A.D., B.C. Um, It is by his name that millions curse, and it is in his name that millions pray. So he said, it is without a doubt, it is hard for me, this is what this guy said again, a skeptic, it's hard for me to believe that the historical person of Jesus Christ did not exist. Okay, so if we're landing on the spot like we were, right? We're saying, um, this is our conclusion, theism. And I'm gonna make the case now for a, a Christian worldview, one that was created by God and is saved through a man named Jesus. Now, here's where most of the arguments would go with your friends in your school that don't believe. They would say, well, I don't even know if Jesus ever existed. And so that's what I'm gonna try to do today is I'm gonna try to point you in the direction that the man Jesus Christ lived on this earth, died and rose again, all right? But we're not even gonna go with the resurrection. We're not even gonna have time to dive into that. I'm just gonna try and prove that he lived, okay? And so um, another thing that you kind of have in your back pocket as an evidence for this is there are two non-Christian historical sources Tacitus and Josephus, okay? They were historians that were not Christians, but they have a historical account and they um, were from the first century or back in Jesus' time and they concluded that a man named Jesus once lived and walked this earth. Here's why it's important that they're not Christian. They're not trying to make a case or they're not trying to convince you. They're simply trying to report history accurately, So it's like if you opened your history textbook and the people in there were talking about Benjamin Franklin and George Washington, right? Like their main goal is to just teach you about those guys. And that's the same thing with these two sources. Non-Christian, no agenda aside from being um, true to the history, okay? These two guys from the first century, mind you. So if they say, hey, this guy named Jesus lived, what could have happened? Someone could have refuted it because they lived 
the same time as Jesus lived, okay? Daryl Bach, who is um, at Dallas Theological Seminary, here's what he says. He says, there's no evidence that those who oppose the movement attributed to him, Jesus denied his existence. So people who are against the movement of Christianity and against the movement of Jesus, they never denied the fact that he existed. I got one more quote for you. It's from a guy named Sean McDowell. Alec, go ahead and put the first part of that up the screen. So Sean McDowell, next one. Uh, Both Christians and secular scholars from a large cross-section of theological schools have concluded that the evidence we have presented here provides an adequate basis to affirm with confidence that Jesus truly existed. He goes on to say, Maurice Casey is a non-Christian scholar who denied Jesus's virgin birth and resurrection. So he's saying, I believe in Jesus. So here's what he says. However, he believed Jesus actually existed. And he writes that there is abundant evidence that Jesus was a first century Jewish prophet. So a skeptic who denies some of the, the true things that we as Christ followers would affirm, the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus. But he says, listen, those things aside, I don't believe those, but there is historical evidence for a man named Jesus. This is where this leaves us, right? If there's a guy named Jesus, and if theism is our final conclusion, and it comes from the most historically accurate book ever written, then what does that most historically accurate book say our response to Jesus should be, okay? And so if Christianity is left standing, the top of our list here, what did Jesus actually say we should do? What were his claims? What were his commands? And what were the things that now we uh, should respond to? So real quick, I want to point something out. Um, This guy, Sean McDowell, he's an apologetics leader. So him and his dad, Josh McDowell, wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And I could teach you an entire apologetics course on the existence of Jesus, the proof of the resurrection, and all those things that go on. But I just want to let you know, I have a video course that you can walk through taught by him and his dad uh, for free. So if you're interested in that, all I need is your name and your email. So send that to me via our remind group. If you don't know how to get into that, talk to me later and I can get you. Uh, but you can take that on your own time. And so I could teach you an apologetics course, but it would be not better than, than this guy who's literally the leader in it. All right. So I just want to um, throw that out to you and let you guys know that that is uh, an option for you. All right. So here we are. We're left standing. Christianity is at the top. Jesus existed. What did Jesus say? All right, here's where I'm gonna need a bunch of crowd participation, okay? So I need about 10 or 12 volunteers. So throw up your hand if you're willing to be a volunteer for me. Okay, I need you to read a Bible verse. So bring up a phone or a Bible or a way to do that, okay? Zach and Nick and Noah and Zayden and Alyssa and Lily and anybody else. I'm just gonna start calling people. Chloe, all right, Brendan, can you read one for me? Okay, Rachel, can you ruin for me? All right, you guys, come on up, come on up. Just line the front right here, okay? All right, so listen to me very carefully because I'm going to read these very, very fast, all right? Um, and we're going to spin the wheel to read them. You, Zayden, you're going to be uh, Mark 14, 61 through 64, okay? Nick, you're going to be John 5, 17 through 18. You're going to be John 8, 57 through 59, you're going to be John 5, 22 through 23. You're going to be John 14, 7 through 9, Lily. Alyssa, you're going to be Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. Rachel, Luke uh, 4, 8. Matthew 14, 33. Chloe, John 9, 38. And give me one more, one more volunteer. 
I'm just call you out. Caleb, come on up here, buddy. Yeah, come on. Jordan, come here. Thanks, man. Jordan, you're gonna be Jordan, you're gonna have a big crown in heaven one day. Uh, Matthew 28, 9. All right? Got it? Matthew 28, 9. Alright, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna spin it when it's your verse. You read it loud. I'm gonna hand you the mic so that everybody else can hear you as well. And these are the lofty claims of Jesus. These are the things that Jesus claimed about himself or that he accepted as fact. All right? So here we go. All right, John 5, 17 through 18. Who's that? That's you? Okay, read it. Turn around so they can see you. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. All right, so Jesus was claiming to be equal with God. Good job, Nick. Have a seat. All right, next we have Matthew eleven twenty seven. Alyssa. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son reveal, chooses to reveal him. All right, so Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by the Father. So he's putting himself on the same plane as the Father. All right, Matthew 28, 9. That was you, right, Jordan? All right. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. All right, so the disciples worshiped Jesus. He accepted it too. He didn't just say, hey, no, no, you reserve that for God, right? Insinuating he is God, okay? Who's Luke 4, 8? All right, Rachel. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay, so worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, taking that as himself. Uh, Mark 14, 61 through 64. But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him, and saith unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power, and coming the clouds of heaven. And the high priest rent his clothes, and saith, What further need have we of witness? Ye have heard the blasphemy, what what think ye? And they all condemned him to be worthy of death. Okay, so that was when Jesus was standing before the, the people getting ready to crucify him. And they said, are you the Lord? Are you God? And he said, yes, I am. All right. And so they considered that blasphemy. All right, who's John eight fifty seven through 59? Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. So Jesus claimed to be God, claimed to be before Abraham. Um, John fourteen seven through 9. Who's that? That's Lily. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? So he says, If you know me, you know the Father. Right? So he's saying, You would know you would know things about God if you know me. All right, we got three more. John nine, thirty eight. Who's that? That's Chloe. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Okay, so Jesus accepted worship. Uh, who's Matthew fourteen thirty three? Brendan? 
Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Okay, so they worshipped him. Truly, is the Son of God. Last one, Noah. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. All right, so he's saying, in order to, uh, you need to honor me, and that will honor God. So, here's my question to you. That's what Jesus said about himself in the most historically accurately accounted for book, the Bible, in all of mankind. So let me just ask you a quick question. If I stood up here and if I received your worship, if I stood up here and I claimed to be the son of God, how would you respond? What would you say was true about me? Like, hey, Pastor Nick was um, receiving worship and um, hey, Pastor Nick was uh, telling us that he's equal to God. Um, What would you say about me? Or probably worse, what would your parents say about me? Someone give me one. What would you say? Noah. I'm a loser. <laughs> okay. Um, what, like, would you believe me or not? Yes or no? Okay. So if you don't believe me, that means I'm what? Crazy. All right. So let's, let's use a word because I like alliterations. Lunatic. Okay. I'm crazy. All right. Nick like is literally out of his mind. If I truly believe those things about myself, right? Now, if I was up here and I was joking, right? Another word for joking is what? Lying, okay. So I'm either, I'm either a liar, like I'm not actually, that's not actually true, all right? And I'm just, I'm lying, like I know I'm messing around. Or the one Alyssa said, like I'm crazy, like what if I really believed it, all right? Like I really did think, no, really, I promise you, I am God, right? You're like, no, you're not. Like, no, I promise you, I am I'm not kidding. I'm not lying. Like you have to worship me. You guys would be like, we're finding a new youth group, okay? Right? You'd think I was crazy, truly. The third option that we have is he's actually Lord, all right? So you guys, if you know this before, uh, if you've seen this before, this is C.S. Lewis's argument. I know it's off screen, but either he's either Lord, he either is who he says he is, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. He's crazy. He's, he's making claims and he believes it, but that's not actually true. And what I think is a guy who predicted his own death and his own resurrection, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be willing to put my faith in that guy. And so if that's the case, if Jesus truly is Lord, if theism is what remains above all the other arguments that we've looked at, then what is our response? And here's our response. I'm going to put it here up on the screen. Ready? Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Guys, here's what I think is probably the most important question you'll ever wrestle with. Is your faith, have you placed your faith in Christ alone? Is he the Lord of your life? Not just the Lord of this church and not just the Lord of your parents' faith, but is he the Lord of your life? I think this is the single most important question you'll ever answer in your whole life. Okay, and I want to encourage you, if you've been here the last three weeks and you're like, I'm not sure where I land on all this God stuff, but as we land here, guys, this is the response. The response is to give your life, give your heart over to Jesus. For some of you, you're like, you know, yeah, I know, I've, I've been going to church my whole life, like I've done that, I did that when I was three and I was baptized when I was six and whatever, but like, what does all this stuff mean for me now? So here's what I want to do. I want to show you a quick, like one minute video on how to handle these conversations when it pops up at school.
when you are defending your faith. All right, go ahead. Can you turn it up? And I decided to call it the largest free-thinking atheist group in Southern California. I said, hey, my name's Sean McDowell. I wrote this book. I'll bring free copies for everybody and sit in the hot seat for a couple hours if you guys just want to have a conversation about God. You can ask me anything. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of fun to me. I'm not going to pretend for half a second I have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I know that very clearly. But I just wanted to build some common ground with them. And, and at the end, I could have asked them the tough questions that you asked me. And you guys asked some good questions about the origin of the universe, questions about the historical Jesus. Instead, at the end, I said, what can Christians do better to reach skeptics? And the first, this lady there, she said, listen. I said, what do you mean? She said, my Christian friends want to tell me what to believe, but they don't really listen. Then she said, if they don't listen to me, why should I bother to listen to them? And then this atheist guy, he said, stop the atheist jokes. I said, man, really? Because I've got some good ones. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he used to be a Christian, and now he said he'll come and sit in the back of a church oftentimes, unbeknownst to people, and just watch. He said, almost every time I go, there's a cheap shot or a joke against atheists or some other non-Christian group. I remember thinking, this guy's got a complex. Within a week or two, I'm in church, and the pastor tells an inappropriate, insulting joke that made me uncomfortable about atheists. My leg still hurts, because my wife was at that event that night, and she grabbed my knee. She's like, see, that guy's right. We don't realize the way we often treat people who aren't Christians. More than anything else, we are called to love non-believers. That's what breaks down barriers and gives us a chance to speak truth. All right, so I want to challenge you as you go out and as Jesus calls us to be a light in this world, to listen, all right, to, to be prepared to share what you believe, to be bold, to be confident, to know that what you believe is true. Guys, I want to challenge you to be curious. Like, if something pops up in science that seems different than Christianity, ask about it. Like, don't just be the person who's like, well, like, that, I just don't believe that because, but like lean in and, and understand the why behind it so that you have an articulate response of what the gospel is and who Jesus is, okay? So um, this is a YouTube video. Um, it's like a 45 minute YouTube video. It's him pretending to be an atheist and people are like asking him hard questions. Uh, I linked that in your version as well. So if you have time this week, you wanna check it out, you can. Um, there's a lot of stuff here. There's like a ton more that I wish I could give you, but in my best to consolidate it, I, this is where we land. So believe for yourself, who is Jesus? And two, be ready to give a response, but do so gently. All right, let me pray for you guys, and then you'll go and unpack this for the rest of the time in small group. God, thank you for this group and for this series that we've spent time in. God, I pray that it's um, helped strengthen and bolden people's faith. God, I pray that as we leave from this place, that we will be a light and a witness for you in this dark world that we live in. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, see you guys.